to Now to Net, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Hey, everyone. Nick Nanton here, and I've got the highest low-tech conversation going we can have. I've got Jay Abraham on my cell phone. I will tell you, this is not Jay's fault. Uh, the software the software sort of blew up because to give context to anyone who's watching this uh, at some point in the future, it is March 30th. Uh, 2020, and we are having an awful interesting time in this world, uh, in the world of being quarantined due to the COVID-19 coronavirus. And uh, we, uh, Jay and I are trying to go live, but everyone is blowing up technology right now. We are on our quarantine layers, if you will. And so we had to, to revert to me holding Jay up on a speakerphone, but I'm more than happy to do it. So Jay, first of all, how are you doing in this crazy time? Uh, we've been very blessed. I mean, everyone is not. We've been on the phone constantly or on video trying to help clients and individuals around the world. It's a challenging time everywhere, not just in the United States. I have clients in Germany. I have clients in Vietnam. I have clients in in Singapore. We had a client in Spain. It's a very, it's to say the least, a very uh, challenging time for all humanity. Uh, yes, indeed it is. But all we can do as human beings and as entrepreneurs is is try to find the best way every day to move forward. So that's what the goal of this is. Uh, Jay and I worked uh, for about two years on that film. Hopefully you guys got to, to, uh, to tune in and enjoy that. And I want to ask a few questions from that. We also have uh, <clears throat> some live questions coming in as well. I know Tom, you and Bobby both had questions that I don't think I can get to right now. So if you would just type them back in here, uh, the same questions you'd asked before. Uh, but Jay, one of the things I think is really important to talk about uh, in context to the film, as well as everything we're going through right now, I took the film that we made on you and broke it down into sort of 10 power principles of success. I'd like to go through each of these for a few minutes because I think anyone who uh, would want to hire you at your uh, very high rates, because you've worked and helped people make billions of dollars, I feel like if they were to utilize the lenses of these 10 things to think through uh, any idea or any day they're going through, it would be the equivalent in a way of sitting down with you. So the first one is one thing that you say very early on in this film is that you have greatness embedded in your DNA. Most people don't take the time to truly become great at what they do. Tell us a little bit about that concept. In good times, you don't want to be mediocre in performance, whether you're an entrepreneur, professional, uh, employee, uh, husband, wife, father, mother, lover, friend. In bad times, you don't want to be uh, mediocre in proactive response, in level-headedness, in being strategic, in seeing, if not all the opportunities, the best possibilities, but most of us are the opposite. It's not that we don't want to. We don't have anybody giving us a context of reference. What I said was the first thing is you have to know what it's, what what greatness is supposed to look like in any scenario. And the only way you can do it is to reference other people who represent those performance attributes, those conduct attributes, those level-headed uh, compass and and sensible attributes that you admire and figure out what they do versus what you're not doing. And then you've got to figure out what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to think like, what it's supposed to be expressed like, and how you can see validation from others as a process to it, Nick. And then you've got to basically start doing it. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you got to figure out where you are on that continuum where you need to be and then you got to figure the safest not the fastest because the fastest might be very dangerous the safest way to get there securely so you stay there once you get there and then the first time you try to be different or strategically more calm more focused or uh more of a leader in adverse situations or in opportunity situations it's so uncomfortable that you'll feel awkward about it. and You'll have a tendency to resort back to your status quo. It's very much like a little baby learning to walk, talk, poop, ride a bike, whatever it is. The first time there is, they need someone to be your, your 
you know, your advocate, your champion, like a parent to a child, but that's sort of the process. I love it. Um, oh, and again, I'll go through a few of these. We'll take a few questions. We'll go back to a few more. Uh, number two, you talk about working backwards in goal setting to go forward in life and how you need to set higher sights for yourself and get crystal clear on what that path is to get there. Tell us a little bit about that. Like the old mariners who had to calibrate three ways. I think they had to figure out where they are, where they're trying to be, and, and some reference point. You can't, I mean, it, it will start with entrepreneurs, but I think it's true of individuals. 95 plus percent of all entrepreneurs never reach their goals. And it's because they don't have goals. They have abstract hopes and dreams. They're not reverse engineered. They don't know what kind of performance uh, uh, achievements have to happen in intervals by category in order to get to where they want. They don't have a head strategy. They don't monitor, measure, adjust. And it, it seems, a, a very a good friend of mine helped uh, an attorney, an attorney Nick, yeah. grow their practices, and he's he's eerily infallible, and he talks about cause and effect. Everything in life, with two or three percent exception, and we're in some of those acts of God type things now, but they have causes and effects. You know, they're the result of actions, inactions, decisions, indecisions, laws. Uh, 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 principles, uh, uh, forces that either we harness or we let basically whipsaw us. And when you understand all those um, mechanisms, you can either be in control or you can be controlled. You can be a victim or a victor. And again, I'm not trying to be uh, rah-rah, but it's very simple. I mean, in any situation, including our situation, I'm guiding people on how to find the best opportunities, the best positive paths, the best strategies of keeping themselves going and ultimately growing and figuring out how to be the most ethical and equitable beneficiaries in a very in a very uh, topsy-turvy environment. And I think you have to look for that and you have to be able to see reversing it, how to get there. Uh, I love that. Uh, that's number two, work backwards and goal setting to go forward in life. We actually have 10 of these. I'm going to go through number three, and then we'll hit a few of the questions. Feel free to type your questions in on the live stream. And so number three, becoming a category of one with a strategy of preeminence, one of my favorite things I first learned from you. So talk about how you become a category of one and why it's so important. Prosperity, adversity. want to be seen as the only viable source people can turn to for whatever it is you stand to be, whether it's an entrepreneur, business product, employee, uh, uh, father, mother, husband, lover, and, and you want to be preeminent. Preeminent is elevating yourself to the stature that you're the only viable solution. You are there to give the most well-reasoned uh, perspective, advice. You tell people what they should do, what they should do, why, how they should do it. You, In terms of business, you tell them uh, what is in their best interest, and it may be buying more things, higher quality things, more combination things, more frequent things, or less things. And you basically become able to put into words what they are feeling, good or bad, and show them that there is a better approach, and they have to see you as having absolutely their best interest at heart. You have to realize human beings right now more than ever, Nick, we are silently begging to be led, led to better decisions, led to better options, led to figuring out what the heck to do. I'm working on uh, something we talked about. The working title is what to do when you don't know what to do. And you want someone you can turn to, but you have to believe that your he has your best interests at heart above and beyond anyone else's, including their own. And, and there are ways to do it, and we've worked out over. 20 years ago, I started it over my career. I've helped people around the world, both employees, employers, professionals, job applicants, you know, human beings of all kinds, elevate themselves to a stature of preeminence in the eyes of whomever it is they are going to be judged by. They're going to basically have to interact with. They're going to basically be the leader of it. All of life is about leadership. We're all leaders in one role or the other. Right now, we're leaders to everybody that uh, needs us to be their sword and their shield, their, their, uh, you know, their, their foundation, their certain 
uncertainty, and it's hard to be certainty in an uncertain world. But when you become preeminent, you take a leadership role, and you give people the best reason, guidance, advice. And it's a cool concept, and it transcends everything. It becomes culturally the foundation. It becomes your belief system. It animates. It liberates. It elevates. It's got all kinds of wonderful uh, attributes to it, and it has basically been the denominator of uh, a number of companies, entrepreneurs I've helped really catapulting to enormous success. One thing in a similar way, Tony Robbins was saying in the film, if you do something better than anyone else, you'll, you'll do a bit better than everyone else. But if you do something completely different, I'm paraphrasing, but basically you'll crush you. You become a category of one. And I think that that's a great way to put that advice. Now, we've got some questions coming in again. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, we're having some interesting technical difficulties that all the tech softwares are because they never expected so many people to finally get it and go virtual because we have to. Uh, right now during this quarantine period. Uh, so I'm going to go through a few questions. A lot of them are uh, related to this time. I know a lot of people are uncertain about this time. And by the way, we all are. Uh, we're all in the same boat here, all trying to figure it out together. So don't feel like you're left out, left behind, left alone. Uh, the key is to make sure you talk to as many people as you possibly can right now who you admire, who are smart. That's one of the reasons I have Jay here. And I think the other thing I know Jay would, I mean, we're not getting paid anything to do this. And we're happy to do it. Serve people the best you can, because I know people, when you serve them with what you do best, it will it will help them no matter what. And oftentimes it comes back to you, whether it does or not. I'm not that worried about it, but just it helps the world move on a little a little bit more every day. Uh, so I, we got a question here from Bobby and uh, Bobby's asking, Jay, what would you say is the real estate Parthenon for agents, team leaders, and brokers, I know you've done a lot of work in the real estate film, or in the real estate world, sorry. In the film, you talk about the power Parthenon. What would you say that real estate Parthenon looks like for agents, team leaders, and brokers? Uh, I start, I mean, on the hierarchy, the best is who's already got access to the markets you're going to want on a continuous basis when everything gets, you know, on, on um, you know, stable and an upper path. Who's got access to that market? How can you ethically get those people to constantly be, be, be uh, funneling, endorsing, recommending, referring to you. So the first thing is you want to build a massive referral network just as a quick throwaway. If I were a realtor right now and I wanted to solidify myself in my market for the future, I would go to every entrepreneur, every professional, everyone in any form of business who is shell-shocked, uh, unbelievably confused, and I would do everything in my career to helping them get clarity for their business, helping them solidify and bond with their with their existing buyers, helping them figure out if they have to modify their offering, help them figure out uh, what to do as it changes. And if you don't know what to do, I would get all over every qualitative, ethical, and and respected entity individual out there that is sharing perspective and I would distill it and I would share it with entrepreneurs all over and I would use the same rationale that Nick used. I would basically say, look, somebody has to be there investing in everyone else. We're meaningful in our community. We're the good guys and girls. We we deserve and we need to pull together to help one another survive and ultimately thrive. We want to contribute the best to you. We hope that by doing it in the future, something comes back to us. But either, whether it does or not, we want to see your business uh, be, you know, stay uh, meaningful in our community because of the value you bring. And I do that as one of my pillars. The other is right now, I think that you can, I mean, there's never going to be a window, no matter what business you're in, we're adding and we're addressing real estate, but it's anybody in business. There'll never be a window open as wide and and see for you to structure collaborations, joint ventures, endorsements, wherever it's ethically illegal, with all kinds of companies and influencers, organizations, and media that reaches your market because people are desperate for cash and for deal flow and for expanding their access to commerce and revenue when they don't know what to do or when what they're doing is not working. So I would be structuring JVs. I would be using media and working out deferred payment. I'd be working out performance space. And that's would do that. 
the next thing I would do literally would be invest in the future. We are doing that now by, by doing lots of things. Nick is doing lots of things. You know, we would love to monetize like you would, but we're not terribly worried if we don't because we know that through reciprocity it comes back. And if you invest in people and help them make it through and grow, it'll come back to you. Right now, you should start investing massively in people who are going to have dynamism in their life. They're going to go up, they're going to go down, and do that forever. That's another part of the pillar. I can go on and on and on. If you want to have in your power Parthenon, uh, we try to get eight, nine different uh, sources and access vehicles going for our clients. What I found, I've done lots of work with realtors, and this applies to almost everybody in business. And if you bring top performers into a room, which I've done before, and you interview them and figure out what's driving the bulk of their business, it's it's almost funny. It's almost always going to be one predominant source. And it's funny because if you have 30 people in a room, and we had 45 one time of the top performers in the country. And after about 15, I stopped and I said, isn't it interesting that this top performer gets all their business from open houses? This gets it all from different kinds of mailings. This gets it all from... I can't remember which one of the platforms. This one gets almost all of it from word of mouth. Yet, if you just added one of those elements or all of those elements you're not using, and if it just brought 5 or 10% more, the combination, work on the principle of working on the geometry of your business, the combination of all those together, influencing new and the same market, would bring geometry to bear in your business, would double, redouble, Double again, and I don't want to get too esoteric here, but does that help? So it helps a ton. Great. Uh, we have a lot of questions coming in, and we have six more power principles to go through. So one more question before we go through three more of the power principles. Uh, Tom Craig is asking, and I know you're going to love this question, Jay, because it's all about really referrals, uh, and you're a master at it. And again, those of you just joining us, uh, we have Jay Abraham on the phone. Technology has blown up because of uh, all the people streaming right now, so we weren't able to get video going, but we still want to make sure that. We're generating referrals, word of mouth, and things like that. But I think the first thing is you've got to get very clear on what, why, and how. What it is about what you do for the market you serve that is superior in benefit, outcome, protection, yield, uh, reduction of risk. If you can't get clear in expressing it and describing it and demonstrating it, you have no right for anyone else to ever your advocate. Number two, you've got to be able, if you can do it, to quantify, measure, correlate what and why and how the thing you do better produces an, an exceptionally superior result, whether it's more saving, more protection, whether it's greater yield, and it might have to be uh, expressed and denominated intangibly. Next, you have to to be able to help the people you want to be your advocate feel and sense the need, desire, almost uh, uh, mission-based crusade goal that they have the responsibility, the opportunity, the privilege to help those people that they have influence over in that superior outcome protection advantage result enhancement, experience, enjoyment from you. I'm giving you all those sequences because different people produce and provide different outcomes. And then depending on whether it's psychic compensation, financial compensation, reciprocal compensation, you have to figure out what is going to ethically motivate them to want to do that. And then you got to help them because if I say, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, who do you know? I mean, do you know anybody that you can refer to? Well, first of all, it's very selfish, and most people are going to go, no. I have a story which is very powerful and clear, and I'll do it real quickly, Nick. Many years ago, I was the largest client at our local bank, and the local bank had a bank uh, a manager, a very nice woman who was divorced, and she and I would go to dinner or lunch once a week, and she was single, very attractive, very nice, Great qualitative woman, and she would lament that she never could have any dates. And she asked everybody, and nobody knew anybody. And I, I gave her a concept to describe that next 
week and it was quite profound. I said, don't leave it to their macro abstract ability to figure out who, what, why, and how in their life. Show her, show them exactly who you want, why you want them, where they are, and why they would be uh, a match. Tell somebody, I've been thinking about trying to be clear to you of the kind of people I would love for you to introduce me to that I know you have you have within your your um, your uh, community or your your relationship. They might be somebody you live next to or you used to who now is single, but you know he's a really good guy and he's not have bad habits and whatever happened in his previous life was a mutual fault, not singular. It might be somebody that you're that you're in professional association with. It might be somebody at the gym. If somebody ages X to X, they are professional. They don't have to be wealthy, but they they are you know, they have good habits. They don't smoke. They might like uh, wine but are not alcoholic. Yeah, they gave them all these things. I said try this and she did and the next week when they met she said, You'll never believe it. By by painting a picture of who I was trying to connect with, why, where they were, what they would be like, and who they would know. I got seven dates. They get to help people help you. That's a start, Nick. I love it. Hey, we're getting dating advice here, too, everybody. Just take it all in. Uh, it's a great story, Jay. Um, so, again, if you're just joining us, uh, Jay's on the phone because we had some technical difficulties. We have been going through. We just did a premiere of Jay's film on Facebook for the first time getting everything you can out of all you've got, the Jay Abraham story. Uh, and we're going through 10 power principles of success. We went through the first three. To recap, you have greatness embedded in your DNA. Number two, work backwards in goal setting to go forward in life. And number three, become a category of one with a strategy of preeminence. If you didn't catch any of those, and even if you did, you should go back through this and listen again to how Jay explains them. Uh, we're going to number four which is develop your unique selling proposition or your USP. Unfortunately, Jay, I think that so many people have started talking about this over the last probably two decades that sometimes people will just gloss over it and say, yeah, I've heard of a USP. But if you truly develop a unique selling proposition, you're going to be in a completely different spot than anyone else in the marketplace. Uh, give us a few examples of that, if you would. Denominators that change the whole face of different businesses when FedEx first started out, those of you who are old enough to remember, their message was when it absolutely positively has to be there tomorrow by 10 at the latest, FedEx. When um, Nordstrom's first started out, they said, if you're dissatisfied with any purchase for any reason at any time, uh, you can have a refund, a replacement, a credit, your choice, no questions asked. When um, uh, Dominic first came to change for some uh, reasons that aren't relevant right now, their message was hot, fresh, delicious pizza delivered to your door in 30 minutes or less for it's free. When Avis started, they said, we have to do more, be more, provide more, serve more because we're number two. And the point is, you've got to figure out more so today because Everything is at least up to a certain standard just to be viable. You've got to be able to denominate, to articulate, to demonstrate, use those three Ds, what it is about you that is so more superior no matter what spectrum of the value quotient you address. You can be the lowest price, but why are you able to have value at the lower price? Why are you doing something for me? How do you do it? What is it I get out of it? You've got to be able to express on as many dimensions, as many facets, what, why, how, and that you, in whatever area you serve, and this applies even to those of you who are not entrepreneurs, you're trying to get a job, you're trying to keep a job, you're trying to get a promotion above everybody else. If you can't express and, and not just think, but, but perform, communicate in actions, not just words, your distinctive, your preemptive, your preeminent superiority, then you can't expect to get any any uh, superior results, success, choice. You, you don't deserve it. And so when you learn 
about how powerful it is. It's probably more powerful today because it has been discounted, diminished, generalized, and marginalized in its understanding and its embrace, which gives you enormous opportunity and enormous window of, of uh, uh, really of, of distinction if you can grasp how to model and 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 uh, and mold this to who you are. And it's usually you already are that. You probably just never sat down and really figured it out. Also, one big point, Nick, you can't just come up with something that's inauthentic to who what and 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 why you are. You can't say you're one thing just because it will resonate with your target audience or your Target employer or your your or your uh, your promotion based uh, manager and not really deliver on it. Whatever you come up with has to be something that you can congruently and naturally and continuously and masterfully perform on, deliver on, uh, really manifest, and it's got to be a personification of who, what, and that you are. That is excellent. Um, we're going on to the next one here, uh, number five of the 10 power principles. And again, one thing I want you to recognize is, again, if you're watching this later, delayed, uh, we are going through a really unique time of digitization, uh, as well as just uncertainty, people having to stay home from work. A lot of people are not spending money, but you'll notice all 10 of these principles apply now, as much as they do any other time, there are going to be different ways you'd apply them now. But the reason why I call them lenses is because they're a way to look through any current opportunity or problem that you're looking at and see how Jay would think through it. So make sure you know you pay attention to that. Um, number five, Jay, you talk about seeking geometric improvements in your business, not linear ones. This is one of the biggest lessons I learned from you. And most people have never heard this type of analogy. So can you walk that through for us? Yeah. They think these are the simple concept in a nutshell, and then a couple of, of uh, unusual examples that will demonstrate it. So uh, early in my career, I realized in business, you can do it one way, and it has an incremental effect. You do it another way, same time or less, same effort or less, same uh, investment or less, the same opportunity or access to a market or less, you can produce a multiplied result geometric result. And as I evolved it, that's where I created the three-way to grow business model. It's putting the power of geometry to work and making it easier to grow geometrically than linear. That's why I created the power plus model, which is brings to bear up to nine different factors of geometric growth. I, I got fascinated with quantum physics. Then it, then, then, uh, then I created the nine drivers. Those are total ways to power and, and, and and uh, propel people. Then I created the sticking points. Then I created the this and that. And I've evolved it to a really interesting concept. I actually found, I, I, I thought, yeah, I got all these different concepts, Nick, each one of which can grow a business or a career geometrically. What if you put one on top of another? Because I have all of them. What would that be? And I never looked it up. I looked it up, and believe it or not, mathematically, there are gradients. I think it's eight gradients above exponentiality, literally. Heptase and hexase and pentase and octase, and I can't remember the others. But if it's mathematically given that you can go well, well, well beyond exponential in performance, it doesn't even calculate it so massive, why in the world would you ever allow your business or your career conduct to be done in the incremental zone if everything could be done in the exponential zone. So I've created dozens and dozens, perhaps a hundred plus different uh, different uh, alternative realities where you do it one way and it's got very simplistic linear results. You do it another way and it's got multiplied current results and it also has residual compounding results. And it just gives you some literally like no brainers. I mean, I can get into very sophisticated business growth, but I'll give you a couple of things. And it would be much easier if you could see me, but I'll see you explain it. When most people meet in person, <laughs> pardon me, Nick, somebody extends a hand, a hand vertical, the other extends their hand vertical, and they shake and put it down, right? That's right, correct. So, so if, I were, if I were with somebody on video right now or in, in a room with people, 
I would bring someone on stage. I would ask an artist to take my hand. They would do it the way I said. Then I would ask them to do it again. And they would extend their hand vertical. I would very gently turn it horizontal, cup it sideways with my hand horizontal. I'd take a moment to give them a real sincere look in the eye and then turn to the audience and say, how much more impactful and powerful is that? How much more memorable is that? Same time, same effort. I do it one more time, do what I said, and then put a hand gently on a shoulder and say, how much is that? Same time, same effort. Or I'd say, and these are just simplistic. Most people have to deal, Nick, with anybody via the phone, and probably be even more so today, or <clears throat> the phone is a good example. They seem shocked when they get voicemail or they get a gatekeeper when, in fact, statistically, yeah, I don't know, 95, 98% of the time, you are going to get voicemail or a gatekeeper. So I go, uh, Nick, is uh, Abraham uh, talking about, um, about you becoming a client? Uh, call me back at 561212. Yeah, doing that at very local. I tell people strategically and working on the exponential. In the exponential zone, you should expect to get a voicemail and you should have a very well prepared and a sequencing of well prepared messaging that are both provocative, meaning it gets your attention, stimulates it, breaks, you know, you're, you're out of the morass, and then secondly, evocative, it makes you want to respond. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but it's just, it's everything we do, every way we do it, everywhere we do it, we can do it either exponentially, geometrically, or we can do it linear and, and, and incrementally, and all things being, being why would you want the lesser yield for the time, effort, or money if you can get the higher. Sort of as if you were an investment. Uh, if you're an investor and you had certain things that had a, a much higher risk and a much lower in your portfolio, a much lower yield, and you had certain things that had a much higher yield and a much lower risk, wouldn't you want to move your allocation? It's allocating your investment of opportunity, time, interaction in your life or your business the highest yielding the lowest risk, if that makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have uh, a number six in the Power Principles of Success. Before we go back to a few more questions, those of you just joining us on Facebook Live, this is Jay Abraham on the phone. Uh, current technology issues due to bandwidth of everyone in the world uh, using their technology at the same time is causing some issues for lots of app developers like Zoom and others. So thank you for your patience, but we're still getting amazing info uh, number six on the power principles is, uh, well, I'll, I'll do this. I took a note during rewatching the film, and you said it very commonly this way. Something as common as dirt in one industry could be completely unknown in another, and the concept is all about cross-pollination for your competitive advantage. Talk to us about that, please. Uh, a huge nonlinear thinker can figure out breakthrough ways to do things. And the truth of the matter is I don't know that I'm as much of a nonlinear thinker as I am uh, a very fortunate accidental tourist. And by that I mean I've had the good fortune to travel outside of F1 industry into thousands. I think all told we've done 7,124 total sub-industries, meaning different industries that have different variations in them. And if you spend your whole life in one area, the old adage about, you know, to a carpenter, everything is either a hammer or a nail. You only know what everybody's industry does the way they do it. There's a fallacy, I believe, with best practice concept because best practice is normally the best practice in one industry. When I got started, uh, I didn't have any education. I didn't have any skill set. I jumped around not from business to business or job to job, but from industry to industry. And after about eight or nine, I realized that people in one industry don't have a clue how everybody else in another industry or another industry thinks markets, strategizes, business models, access of markets, offers value, uh, uh, generates prospects, converts them, targets, all kinds of things. And I was able to borrow very simple, commonplace concepts from one industry and introduce them or combinations of multiple concept from multiple industries, industries that had never seen it, where everybody else in the industry was pretty much plus or minus following the herd, doing what everybody else does the same way. And my clients just exploded. We did IT, we did Entrepreneur Magazine, we did investment things, and we just killed it, killed it, killed it. 
And I think it's not that I'm that bright. It's just that I've been blessed to understand so many higher performing alternative options and combinations. And it's so different than anybody who travels in their life. Because they've traveled outside their city, their state, their country, their continent. Every time you travel one more gradient, you see different, different geographies, different archaeologies, different ar- architecture, different moralities, different foods, different climates. And all those give you a broader context of understanding. And that's pretty much it. That's great. And so we have a question from Nicole that I think she asked uh, as a technologist, she's asking, what is your outlook for technology for marketing and keys to success uh, for the future in that space? I'm pretty sure, Nicole, you would agree that we're getting all those answers through these power principles of success. Uh, So if that's not the case, uh, re-ask or or ask uh, again or another type of question if you want. But I'm I'm hoping we're giving you those answers here by utilizing all these principles. because of that. And there's 10. I, I'm going to do, we did three at the beginning. I'm going to do four now and we'll do some more questions. We'll do three at the end. Uh, one of the ones I love here, Jay, is uh, number seven is extend the lifetime value of your customer. Uh, you're the one who taught me that there's not that many ways to make more money that you need to focus on. It's getting your customer to spend uh, more money more often. And I believe it was for a longer period of time. You can let me know if I messed any of those up or I missed one. But part of, of business is is attracting the first-time buyer. The easiest is, if if you deal with preeminence, is getting them to buy more at the purchase point, which is more profitable if you do it right, but it's also serving them better. Would you like fries with that being the biggest example of that, right? Which one? Would you like fries with that for McDonald's? You know, would you yeah, want to add something in? Yeah. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. And then, and then getting them to buy more often and have more utility value. Buy more often means a lot of people don't buy at a frequency that is even in their best interest. A lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, see their role very rigidly, whereas the people they're selling to are buying so many other products or services before, during, after, instead, that if you if you saw your role is to bring about the, the optimal benefit to your client, and you were better sourcing, you were better negotiating, you are better ombudsman, you could, you could double, redouble, redouble the, the, the lifetime value they represented to you because you could represent so much more genuine and, and, um, and meaningful value to them. And, and, and so really, and, and you know, we have the three-way to grow a business that Nick just said, you increase the, the number of buyers, you increase the size of the purchase to increase the frequency or utility value, but there's three other ways. You penetrate a new market. I'm not going to answer that. I'm home and I'm on my phone. No, you penetrate a new market every uh, every year. You add a new product or service every year. You acquire a complementary or competitive business every year, and you buy it on an earnout where it's just no investment or no risk. But I mean, there's a lot of cool ways to do it. Next. That is. Good stuff. All right, um, I have another couple of questions I have in here from uh, while the movie was going on. Uh, Andrea had asked, um, what is your best practice for revising price points with products and services now and during these recovery months? Again, if you're watching this later date, we're during the quarantine period of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so everyone is is adjusting. I think I've been very proud. I haven't seen many people uh, being predatory or taking advantage of people, which is great. Um, I think everyone is trying to help out. So what do you advise, Jay, in, in revising price points with products and services now and during these recovery months? If, if right now there's two or three factors, one is you really need and want to keep cash flowing, and that's a really big issue for people. And second, you want to, you want to really use this opportunity to, to demonstrate, fortify, and bond uh, with your, your marketplace, your clients, fact that you are uh, their most trusted and beneficial advisor, it probably isn't a bad idea to make pricing more advantageous. I think the key, though, is to rationalize it. By that, I mean, don't just lower it if, if just to get business. Make, you know, I mean, it, make the case, you know, respect yourself and your, and your market by sharing the reason why. Reason why is a denominator 
it's like a it's a fiber that runs through everything. And the reason why is the most compelling, powerful marketing tool you can use. If you say, "Look, these are really tough times for you," and I know you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to hold on to your capital, you're trying to you're, you're trying to figure out how to be more economical. We want you to be able to continue or to have access to this product or service. We think that charging the full rate right now is is uh, unfair and unnecessary. We do need to make uh, a, enough profit to keep our business going so we can sell it to you, but we're very comfortable for the next month or two giving you an outrageous price. Event. Just know that when things get back on point, we, like everyone else, and like you probably and your, your employer, will need you know fair margins. But right now, we're fine barely making a profit in order to make it available to you. Something like that where you set up the truth, but they appreciate what you're doing for them. Absolutely. Solid, solid advice. Um, do you have, so Jay, you've been through several recessions, crashes uh, in your career. Yes. Um, do you have a different perspective after this experience or is it sort of more of the same? Uh, Andrew's asking on how to invest in the stock market as well as other business ventures once this economy recovers, this is unprecedented, uh, and and you're going to either be a victor or a victim. And I don't want to be merciless. I'm just being clinical. You have to look at this and say, okay, no matter what I feel has been invoked upon me by the crisis, that's not good. Where is the best opportunity or opportunity? Have for me to take. If you have, uh, if a job has been lost or in jeopardy, you've got to figure out. If I'm going to try to get into the workforce, I better figure out how to denominate myself above and beyond the maddening crowd. Or I'm not going to, because I think you're going to see millions of people in 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 line to apply for jobs. If you're going to transition, you have to figure out where, where, and what can I do to add value to a bunch of entrepreneurs or a bunch of consumers that are going to be shell-shocked. There's going to be massive adversity, but there's going to be, honestly, massive opportunity that ethically you can take advantage of. I've been guiding people right now to, you know, and right now there's tons of people in every industry, tons of companies who didn't have the capital preserves, and they're going to literally go out of business. Before they go out of business, if you're in one of those industries and you're stronger financially, rather than waiting for them to go out, you can go to them. You can do a great service. You can help them stay at least viable by saying, we will take over your buyers and we'll take over your salespeople that have relationships that can be additive to us because we can consolidate. We'll help you negotiate with your landlord get out of what you're doing so that you can, and we'll give you a share forever of the business from the accounts we get from you. That's a lot better. And you're being a lot nobler to somebody uh, who would lose everything. You'll keep them being able to live and maybe uh, it can even turn into an asset for you. But we're, we're showing people where opportunity lies for them that also is actually benevolent to others. And there's, Enormous, and people are going to acquire businesses. They're going to acquire markets. They're going to they're going to expand the, the product service offer that they do. They're going to be more valuable to their clients. They're going to figure out how to using virtual communication to both sell and virtual delivery. If you were not doing that, you're going to be able to not just figure out a transition in a in an adverse market. You've just gotten the ability to expand massively the scope and the geography that you can sell to. I think it's going to be very interesting, and I think it's going to fall down to whether you see it and whether you are strategic, proactive, or you're reactive and defensive. You know, if, if there's all this talk uh, out there about uh, uh, crisis preparedness, and, and I get that, and I think that's good, but I think you need to have opportunity strategic, proactive preparedness as well, if not more so, because if you don't, you're going to get, you're going to get, I mean, decimated, and I don't want that for anyone. I, I want to see people basically, you know, you deserve to be shocked, you deserve to be 
uh, you know, to be, uh, you know, uncertain. You, you deserve to be confused, but, but you can't remain that way if you want to prevail, if you want to be a victor and not a victim. And there are ways to be successful and emerge victorious while actually being a great benefactor to others, not being uh, an opportunist in the negative sense of not taking undue advantage of people, but actually being a contributor to the betterment of people as you benefit as well. And I think you have to shift your mindset. I don't know if that answer is yeah. clear enough. It was very clear to me. I love it. And one thing I would encourage you to do is look that we all have a have different rates at which we get sort of paralyzed by fear, go through, as people keep talking about right now, the stages of grief of being sort of mourning what we even had just a few weeks back that we now can't go to restaurants, now can't, you know, have a drink after five o'clock in a bar when they were open, whatever it is. But but the rate at which you uh respond to that. And I would say, if you're not already trying some new things, look, I'm doing these live streams on Facebook. Every time I do one, I have no idea if negative people, zero people, or hundreds of people will show up. And I just had to get to the point, I don't care. That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing just to do the best I can just to share things uh, during this time. So, but if you haven't, I would say if you haven't tried to do anything different since the market shifted a few weeks ago, uh, I, I would challenge you to try to do at least one thing different a day. You'll be shocked at what you might enjoy. You'll be shocked at what you might have thought you liked before, and now you hate it. Uh, and you can try new things. And uh, you know, before long, you're going to be get you're going to get further and further behind if you're not trying new things. So, I highly encourage that. Again, if you're just joining us, I've got Jay Abraham on the phone. We had some technical difficulties due to all the bandwidth everyone is using in their quarantine layers, uh, but he is on the phone here, and we're going through. We just did a live online premiere uh, of the 10 power principles of success, and we're going through those 10 power principles. We've been through seven of them so far. Uh, to recap, number one, you have greatness embedded in your DNA. Number two, work backwards in goal setting to go forward in life. Number three, become a category of one with a strategy of preeminence. Number four, develop a unique selling proposition. And by the way, this will be left up for free. You can watch this to go back through them. Number five, seek geometric improvements, not linear ones. Number six, cross-pollinate for your competitive advantage. Number seven, extend the lifetime value of your customer. And then, Jay, we're going to go through the, the final three here uh, as we wrap up. N number eight, I absolutely love. It is an amazing strategy, not only for right now. It's, it's more than perfect for right now, but it's a great way to stand out in any economy, in any marketplace. Number eight, eliminate the prospect sphere by reversing the risk. Talk about risk reversal. Well, if you think about any interaction, can have any facet of your life, business, romance, fraternity, uh, uh, financial. One side is always being asked by the other, either consciously or subconscious. People would normally say unconscious, but that means that you're you're not you're not aware. Uh, but it means that you're in a coma or something, but subconscious, implicitly or explicitly, knowingly or unknowingly. One side is asking the other always to take on all, most, or more than all the risk. What's more than all? Well, if you took, if you converted to a SaaS system and the system blew up on you and you had your accounts payable, your receivable, your your payroll, your you know your your key, everything in it, and the cloud blew up on you, you would be far more uh, hurt than just the cost of the service get married to the wrong person, you get divorced, and you have children and debt could be horrible. So to the extent in any interaction, definitely as an entrepreneur providing uh, services or products to others, to the extent you can remove all, most, or more than all risk in the transaction and make it easier for them to say yes or no and make it easier for them to say yes or no to you instead of to your competitors or your alternatives. And when I say alternatives, I mean, you're competing with three categories. One is direct competitors. The other is alternative competitors, meaning that the, 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 the issue you address, problem solving or opportunity generating may be singular, but the means that are available today to solve it are on Omni, you know, they're, they're everything, you know, if you're going to lose weight, it's, it's supplements, exercise, 
or trainers or equipment, videos. So you want to basically literally understand that. You want to be able to take it away so that they can't use any other competitor. You're a better choice than the alternative, and you're a better choice than the worst enemy you have, which is inaction, procrastination, or equivocation. And there's lots of ways to do it, but, I mean, if you understand, and even if you're afraid to take the risk if someone could get a refund or not pay right away, uh, I mean, we've done this, I told Nick, uh, we're not selling much of anything. We have a couple of things we're doing with partners, and we're not even asking people to pay. We're saying, get started. If it works for you in a month or two and the marketplace changes and the economy's better, we'll let you pay. If not, we've at least contributed. But there's all kinds of ways to do it. And if you're afraid to do it, you can test this in small groups and see how much of an impact it makes. Normally, it will double, redouble, redouble your response rate. You might get uh, you know, some exposure, but it's normally going to be far less than the upside unless what you do and how you do it and the value it adds people is low, but there's all kinds. There's risk reversal, there's modified risk reversal, there's better than risk reversal. If you don't have the ability or the willingness to you know, preserve the transaction by taking the risk away for the purchase, you can take the risk away before they purchase by giving them away your experience that they had at time to learn about it, to sample it, to talk to other people, to understand. To, you know, to see what it's like. I mean, you could do all kinds of things that I could spend any one of these, Nick, I could go uh, on for three or four hours because we've done extensive work, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of a context. Uh, absolutely, I love it. Uh, yes, and so eliminate the prospect fear. There's so many ways to reverse risk. Uh, anybody you know, if I said, hey, if you give me an investment, I'm not suggesting anyone do this, but you'll get the point very clearly. If Well, if you, if you put a dollar into an ATM machine and spit out $2, how many dollars would you want to put in? Well, the answer is as many as you can beg, borrow, and steal. And so uh, stealing is a joke, guys. But you'd want to do as many as you can. So that's what you need to be thinking. How can I make it to where my clients, there is no risk? I mean, you'll see so many examples of this in the marketplace, particularly in consumer products. Try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, send it back for your money back. Or try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, keep it and, and send no more money. I mean, that's like better than risk reversal. You get to keep the product and you don't have to pay the rest. So there's a bunch of different ways. Really well put. I uh, will go through the last two, uh, two of my favorites. Number nine is grow and develop top talent. Uh, human capital, Jay, one of the most often under underlooked, underutilized resources we have. Um, tell us about what we should be doing uh, to do that. Many entrepreneurs out of economic seeming necessity have uh, have either uh, furloughed, uh, laid off, terminated a lot of employees. They're going to have to really restart. And one of the things that I think has always been true. It's more clear today, but. When you talk about upside leverage, getting more deals for the same time, effort, money, opportunity, the most underutilized single investment entrepreneurs make is in human capital. People do not perform at the level, in the depth, in the in the extent that they could. It's not always the reason you think. It's that they don't know how to. And that's a function of the entrepreneur not training them and investing them in, in all kinds of different skill sets, talents, understandings that will allow them to perform and give higher yield to the entrepreneur. When you ask an entrepreneur if they train somebody, they'll say yes. And what they normally do is teach them their methods, their processes, their, you know, their product line and performance. Uh, um, they don't train them in interaction. They don't train them in trust building. They don't train them collaboration. They don't train them in communication. They don't train them in listening. They don't train them in in intangible elements that have been measurably proven to multiply impact by as much as three times each, not combined. That's one thing we talked about in the quote that, that, that you had is a different application. It's this. Most entrepreneurs do not hire people better than they are, which just makes no sense if you own the business. They say, I can't hire good talent. I say, that's 
BS. You either won't hire good talent or you won't develop hire talent you can grow and develop. Neither of those are, are negatives. If there's a phrase, hire the best and cry only once. Because if you hire in, incompetency, if you hire mediocrity, you're going to cry because they don't perform well, they don't, they screw up, they cause you time, they don't show up, they leave you in a lurch. Uh, you want to hire the best always, or you want to create the best. And you want to pay them richly, and you want them to feel like they're on a mission and a crusade. This goes back to preeminence, but also, Nick, they want to feel that you're committed to their growth and development. That can be financial. That can be uh, responsibility. That can be intellectual. That can be experiential. But if you want to really come back with a uh, not a vengeance, but a and a, and a, and a, and a dominating spirit when all of this uh, settles, you've got to really focus on this because you can get up to three times more performance from each person. And if you don't have a staff right now and you're going to have to rebuild it, you better make sure that the people you bring on, you invest or you recruit people that are going to give you the highest and best performance. And they're not going to do it if you don't give them the highest and best working environment. That is good stuff. And I, this is one I love to finish on because I think it's a grand perspective giver for everybody. Number 10 and the 10 power principles of success that we got from getting everything you can out of all you've got. By the way, there are hundreds of principles in here. These are just the 10 lenses I broke out that we thought would be uh, would be like having a day of consulting with Jay. Anything you run through these. Jay, bringing it back, number number 10 is life is about pre appreciating the process. It's not always about profits. Like right now, it's part of the process. What does every day look like? A little different than the day before, but talk to us about that. I made a perfect amount of money when I was in my uh, in my fifties, and I was totally miserable, and I couldn't understand why I had cars. I had I had all kinds of material things. I had a beach house. I had a huge house. I had trips all over the world, paid for by clients. I was treated uh, really uh, royally. And I, I went to somebody for help, and I, and I was really struggling, and I got an insight from this person that changed forever my life. What he said was the majority of people are obsessed with the end product. They want to make a trillion dollars. They want to be the fastest growing business. They want to be the, you know, have the biggest house, the prettiest wife, or the handsomest husband, the most prestige. If you're unlucky enough to get it for that reason, Honest to goodness, the heavens aren't going to open. The sky is not going to, you know, uh, be you know go brilliant. Uh, you know, seen and the angels aren't going to, you know, be pleased you with greatness. It's going to be another day with zeros on the end of it. Of the challenges. He said, the, the real meaning of life is the process. It's about enjoying everything you do, everybody you do, with finding purpose, finding. Satisfaction and enjoying the interaction with humanity, that nobody is any more valuable. Everyone has meaning, enjoying everybody. My wife thinks I'm a little bit bizarre, because on Sundays I read the obituaries, but I actually don't read the ones for all the iconic people who die, which maybe I should, but I read the ones about the local woman who was active in church or was, you know, was. was you know, uh, was in the Hill Scouts or whatever, because they had relevancy. I will talk to everybody about life because I love talking to everyone in any in every facet of life. You can be the janitor, you can be you can be the 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 CEO. You all have relevancy and meaning, and when you start enjoying that, and even now, enjoy the fact that you're alive. Enjoy the fact that you're the brain that can figure an alternative reality. Enjoy the fact that you can add value. Enjoy the fact that this is an opportunity. Uh, you can't rewind, but you can reset. And that from the day forward, you can make every day better and better. And you can figure what to do with your job, what to do with your business, what to do with your life that will be so fulfilling. And while it's not great, the challenge is not, uh, is, is, is not that everything is good. It's how can you make the most out of whatever life 
um, you know, presented with. And that's how our brains work. We, we only grow. Uh, if we only, we only, we only expand if we're challenged to grow. Think about a muscle. Muscle doesn't grow if it's not, if it's not broken and challenged. And I mean, this is a great time for us to discover all the greatness that resides within us or should and could. And for us to, to learn to appreciate, you know, all that we have and all that we can gain from interactions with others. And not just the wealthy others, they're not just the prosperous others, but the others that have good values and see different facets of life. Uh, absolutely great advice. Uh, one of the things that I learned from another friend of ours, Dr. Nita Cobain, is he spends a third of his time, a third of his time earning, a third of his time learning, a third of his time serving. I think that's a great way to enjoy the process. I've never gotten to the end of a journey where I didn't miss the process somehow, but it's so funny how it takes getting to that peak to appreciate the process and the journey. And as a, another one of our mutual friends, Jack Canfield, says, the goal in life is not to get from here to death without anything bad happening. <laughs> all of a sudden you go, I made it. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> and so uh, it's important to, to think through all that. Uh, Jay, I can't thank you enough. I know we had a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, an honor, a pleasure to have you on, I'm sure. This will help a lot of people. A great uh, uh, foundation, and, and I couldn't have been happier with the way that you really, uh, not to showcase my methodology, but actually uh, expanded and expounded on them in ways I don't know that I would have. Thank you for that. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episode.